Yo, 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 what's good? What's good, everybody? What's good? What's good? Saturday episode. Saturday episode of the IKP. Let's get into it. I am excited. I can't wait. I got some things I want to break down. <clears throat> Turn down a little bit. Okay. So, <clears throat> welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. The Isaiah Kid Podcast. The IKP. I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kid. As I've already mentioned, Saturday episode, Saturday pod, Saturday morning. You know, you guys know I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, <clears throat> we have quite a, we have quite a few things that I'm gonna get into today. Quite a few things. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Uh, the Lakers sh- continue to struggle. Um, and we, you know, there's some, they got, they, they got a tough task ahead of them. Um, we're going to get into the Lakers. Uh, we got, we got some things to dabble into today. So I'm excited. I hope you guys are ready. I hope you guys are ready to go on an audio adventure. Um, so let's get it. Let's start. Let's start. I hope everybody there's doing well, healthy, wealthy. I am doing well. Um, I feel much better than I did on Wednesday, uh, after that second vaccine. Oh my goodness. I was, I was not feeling it, but I'm, I'm better today. I hope you guys are doing just as good, if not better, but let's start with Aaron Rodgers and the green Bay Packers. I have, yeah, I know I have more bad news for Packer fans and cheese heads all over the place. Yes, I know. Um, let's get into it. Let's start right here. More Packers drama, more Aaron Rodgers drama. And the more and more I think about this Packers and Aaron Rodgers situation, I, I like, just like Aaron Rodgers, I mean, I'm not quite sure how affected he was by the drafting of Jordan Love. I mean, according to most reports, he didn't love it, obviously. They're drafting his replacement. But the more and more, I took a step back, and I asked myself, why did exactly the Packers draft Jordan Love? Because you would think, think about it, in the 2020 draft, that past off, that past postseason, the 49, like like as I've mentioned on the previous episode, the 49ers completely obliterated, completely obliterated the Packers. They were just better than the Packers. Simply better, right? And, you know, the Packers could have used a playmaker. The Packers you could have used more physicality physicality up front like the like the packers that year was soft remember you you guys remember from my regular listeners you guys remember i talked about the lack of physicality that the packers had on that football team they could not stop the run they could not stop the run to save their lives um back in 2019 so i asked myself why did the Packers draft Jordan Love? Why did Brian Gutenkus take such a big swing in drafting 
Aaron Rodgers replacement. And remember, remember the narrative that year. The narrative that year, despite the Packers going 13 to 3, despite the Packers getting to the NFC Championship game, despite the fact that that was Aaron Rodgers' first year under Matt LaFleur as his new coach, the narrative surrounding Aaron Rodgers was he was not the same guy. Aaron Rodgers' numbers weren't particularly bad. 26 touchdowns, uh, four interceptions, just over above 4,000 yards. So the numbers weren't a problem, but some pointed out that, hey, Rodgers may be, may, may be heading into this decline physically. So that led to the Packers making, or, or, should, or should I say, taking a big swing, a big gamble, uh, a huge risk on drafting Jordan Love in the first round. Um, I, I've mentioned it already, but in that 2019 NFC Championship game versus the 49ers, you could tell the Packers roster was it, it lacked um playmaking on the outside, um, and the physicality was a question. They could not stop the run. So instead of Brian Gutenkus, Packers GM, instead of drafting a player that could have instant impact either on offense or defense, preferably offense, um, because they, they like the Packers, they were devoid of multiple playmakers um, on the outside. Instead, they went with a quarterback, a, 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 a prospect that was seen as a guy that needs some development. Talented, there's some potential there. But development is needed, and that does not help Aaron Rodgers, nor does it help the Packers' chances at winning a, a Super Bowl in this particular moment or at that particular moment. It didn't. So Aaron Rodgers then goes and have an MVP season, and he proves the people wrong that said he was declining physically and arguably has his best statistical year, as I've already stated, 48 touchdowns, five interceptions, and obviously one MVP. So now what the Packers have to do, you the, the Packers know what they have to do. The Packers, like, because, for instance, if Jordan Love could play, why, why are they playing this different tough game? If Jordan Love could really play, if Jordan Love could play, he would have a solid foundation. As a young quarterback, he would have a solid foundation. He would have a real, because first of all, Green Bay is really good at developing offensive linemen. Green Bay has a strong offensive line. Not as good as it was last year because they lost Corey Lindsley, but it's still a really good offensive line. You look at Devontae Adams, you know, one of the best receivers, if not the best receiver in football. They re-signed Aaron Jones. They have Matt LaFleur as their coach. So there's a solid foundation there for Jordan Love. But that's if he can play. And I've asked coaches sometimes, hey, how long does, like, can you see, can you spot it? How long does it take for you to see that a guy can play or not? Usually don't take long. Fellow teammates, fellow players, they know. 
they know when they see, when they see a guy and they see that that guy can play it doesn't take it don't take long to see if a guy can play fellow teammates fellow players they notice that and it's usually an instant thing it use it's usually something that does not have to take long it's usually something that's there do you hear how players describe Patrick Mahomes even with him being as raw as he was his rookie year, did you see how people describe Patrick Mahomes within the Kansas City organization? And I know I'm comparing Patrick Mahomes to Jordan Love, but once again, scouts were scouts had made similar comparisons to Jordan Love, like with, with Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, raw prospect coming out of Texas Tech, accuracy, mechanics are a bit out of whack. Those are the same issues that Jordan Love had, the same issues. Those are the same. Those are the same flaws that Jordan Love had. So when I'm looking at it, if Jordan Love could play, we wouldn't be having this conversation. The Packers would move off of Aaron Rodgers. Now I wouldn't trade. I wouldn't trade Aaron Rodgers if I was the Packers. I wouldn't do it. He was. He just won MVP. But if Jordan Love could play, they would move him. They would move Aaron Rodgers. But nobody outside of Green Bay knows if Jordan Love can play. Nobody knows. Outside of Green Bay, nobody knows. We we haven't seen him. We have not seen him. So the fact that they are like the, the Packers, you know what they have to do? The Packers have to admit, hey, Brian Gunkus has to admit, hey, they have to acknowledge we made a mistake in drafting Jordan Love. We made a huge mistake. We whiffed on with the drafting of Jordan Love. We whiffed big time. And now you got to fix it. But the but the Packers, I don't think they'll do that. I don't think Brian Gutenkus will come out and say, hey, we messed up on this pick. No, I don't think they would do that. But if Jordan Love could play, the Packers would be much more – they wouldn't be as reluctant to – not want to play him or not to trade Aaron Rodgers if Jordan Love really had the goods like they think he did when they once drafted him, right? But then I look on the other side of the spectrum with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, obviously, he has the Jeopardy gig that may be in play. Um, he he has a fiance who's from out west. I'm from west. Uh, he's from out west. He's from California. He's a California kid. So with 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 Rodgers, there's this thing like most people, most people think that he wants to go out west. Um, and we all obviously the Chargers are not an option. The Rams are not an option. The 49ers are not an option. But you do have got teams like the, the Vegas Raiders. I'm not I'm not so huge on, but more so the Denver Broncos. Now. If Aaron Rodgers really wants to get out of Green Bay and he wants to follow through on, you know, these reports, per se, him getting traded to Denver, would his chances at winning a second Super Bowl increase or decrease? You know, I'm I'm think I'm asking myself that. His chances at winning a Super Bowl if he goes to Denver, do they increase? Or decrease if because because I would assume Aaron Rodgers wants to win championships. Aaron Rodgers, like I said in the previous episode on Wednesday, 
Aaron Rodgers looked at Tom Brady, go up to Lamb. No, he looked at Tom Brady, join the Buccaneers, take the Buccaneers to the playoffs, goes up to Lambeau in his house, win the NFC Championship game in his house, get to the Super Bowl for the 10th time on a different team, though, and win a Super Bowl. So I would I, I would assume Aaron Rodgers was probably like, uh, probably looking at that. And I would assume Aaron Rodgers wants to get back to the Super Bowl. He wants to win a Super Bowl. He just want to get a he just want to get his second Super Bowl appearance. He just wants to get his second Super Bowl ring. Do those chances increase or decrease if he goes to Denver? And as much as I like Denver, as much like I think Denver makes the most sense, you know, between out of the out of the Raiders and the Broncos, I think the Denver Broncos absolutely hands down make the the most sense. But okay, you put Aaron Rodgers on this Broncos team. Yeah, they'd be a playoff team. Yeah, they'll probably be good enough to win a playoff game or two. But are they legit Super Bowl contenders? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know they are. I don't know if they are. Now, obviously, with the you know, if they if they were to add Aaron Rodgers, you know, obviously people will have them in that conversation. But do those is it, a, it would his chances increase or decrease as far as winning a Super Bowl if he goes to Denver? And then and, and compare that situation in Denver versus the Packers, where. The Packers play in an easy division, okay? You play, you play, in a, you play in a division with, let's be honest, dysfunctional organizations for the most part. Like the Lions are dysfunction; they are they are the capital D of dysfunction of dysfunction. The Lions, okay? Then you have the Bears, who, like, they think they found their quarterback. As much as I like Justin Fields, we got to see if it works out. But they think they found their quarterback. Then you have the Vikings, where, like. Mike Zimmer's not a bad coach. Um, not great, but he's not a bad coach neither. Um, uh, you, you, Kirk Cousins has a ceiling. You know, that's that's the division that you play in. It's so it's a very weak division, I must say. Compared to the AFC West, the Broncos, AFC West. Okay, you have Kansas City, the Chargers. Kansas City, we can all agree. <laughs> has reigned supreme over the AFC over the last couple years. Okay, the Chargers are only getting better with a superstar quarterback in Justin Herbert. Uh the Raiders, they're they're the Raiders. Um it's okay. But you play in a tough division. Not to mention the conference that you play in. AFC is tough. The AFC is tough. And it has a lot of young gunslinging quarterbacks. Herbert, Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar and even the quarterbacks that I don't like I'm not as high on Baker Mayfield but the Browns have a Super Bowl quality roster. So so does Aaron Rodgers chances at winning at winning his second Super Bowl increase if he goes to the Broncos? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. You look out you look out in the NFC. I already mentioned the NFC North and its dysfunction. So that's a very winnable division every single year. Outside of Tampa Bay, I mean, I like San Francisco, but Jimmy Garoppolo and his health is a is a question mark. It's a huge question mark. The Seattle Seahawks, uh, they haven't been able to get over the hump over the last couple of years themselves either. Um, the Rams, I like. We got to see if the Matthew Stafford thing really works out, and we got to see if he's like a tremendous upgrade from. We got to see how much of an upgrade he is from Jerry Goff. 
But outside of the Buccaneers, the Packers, they can get they can get back. They can get back. They just got to make some moves. But the Packers didn't make any moves. But they can get back. So the grass is not always greener on the other side. For Aaron, this is just a so for the Packers, for the, so from the Packers perspective, they need to acknowledge if Jordan Love can't play, they need to acknowledge, hey, we messed up on this pick. Jordan Love can't play. And with Aaron Rodgers, from an Aaron Rodgers perspective, you got to think to yourself, okay, you want to win a championship. You want to get back to the Super Bowl. What team gives you the best chance to do that? Between the Broncos and the Packers, what team gives you the best chance to do that? Mm. Broncos play in a tougher division. They play in a conference with younger quarterbacks that you that you haven't beaten up on. Like, like, like as much as I love Russell Wilson, Rodgers, the last time Russell Wilson went up to Lambeau, it was not a great sight. You know, Seattle struggled. It just wasn't great. Um, like these quarterbacks in NFCs, most of these quarterbacks in the NFC, Rodgers has beat up on. Out West, you haven't beat up on these quarterbacks, and they're really good. <laughs> they're really good, and they're surrounded with great rosters. Kansas City, Cleveland, Buffalo, great rosters. Gotta ask yourself, the green, the grass is not always greener on the other side. And speaking of the grass not always being greener on the other side or the grass is not greener on the other side Albert Pujols future Hall of Famer Albert Pujols the Angels they released they released Albert Pujols right they released Albert Pujols and I kind of find this like I've always found this pretty interesting with certain players and how, because I don't, because I like, I know for like for my older audience, you guys probably know who Albert Pujols is. Albert Pujols is, like I said, already mentioned a future Hall of Famer. Um, he had some really, really dominant years while playing for the St. Louis Cardinals. But you know he's won three. He's won three MVPs. He's won two World Series. He's won a batting title, six-time Silver Slugger. Albert Pujols has done it all, and he's he's four home runs short of the seven hundred mark. Oh well, no, excuse me. He has six hundred and sixty-seven home runs. So he he's hit a lot of bombs. Albert Pujols was released by the Los Angeles Angels, Anaheim, right? And I, I, I remember, I can remember when Albert Pujols took that massive deal in 2012 to go join the Angels. And like I said, he was a guy that played on the St. Louis Cardinals who experienced a lot of winning. They won two World Series in that in that span. In his, you know, in his tender in these 11 years, they won they won two World Series. And he goes he goes to Los Angeles and they offered him a big bag. But I think yeah, 10-year deal upwards of like 200 million. He had he got a huge bag. And he took the deal. And 
I, I, like, I just think first the way how the Angels handled this situation, I thought they could have handled it a little bit better. Um, obviously, Albert Pujols is not the same guy physically. Like this year, he's batting one ninety eight. You know, his WAR is in the negative. Albert Pujols is clearly not what he used to be. Yeah, like, it, like that's clear. He's not what he used to be. Uh, and he's and he's forty one, so that's okay. But and he, like I say, he's gonna be he's gonna be a future Hall of Famer one day. But I I just thought the I just thought the the Angels could have handled this situation a little bit better. They just they just straight out they just flat out released him. Like they just flat out released him. I don't I don't know why they just couldn't like announce it. Like hey, our Pujols is gonna be you know we're gonna release him, but hey, we're gonna give him this you know something. Something to honor Albert Pujols. They didn't even do that, so that speaks to the volumes of the you know the Angels. But Albert Pujols, prime example of the grass not always greener. Uh, and I don't want to bang on him because I mean, like, come on, who who would turn down ten years, two hundred plus million dollars? But St. Louis, um, they didn't want to pay him. He left. He chose and he chose the Angels and the Angels never won a playoff game, um, never won a playoff series, and they just have been mediocre. And like Pujols, he had some decent years with the Angels, but he became a little bit of like he became just another guy. So, um, like I said, our Pujols, he got released by the Angels. I wish they would have handled a little bit, bit a little bit better than what they did. But Pujols is certainly, certainly a Hall of Famer. But that has me thinking about just certain situations with with players in, you know, with especially in baseball, because they get these huge long term deals. And it just like Robinson Cano. I can remember Robinson Cano um uh, uh, you know first of the Yankees, but then he left the Yankees to go join the Seattle Mariners because the Mariners were paying him. They gave the, the Mariners offered him a huge deal and he went on and took it and he played for the Mariners and he was a star. He was a buzzing star with the Yankees and chose to go with the Mariners in Seattle. And he just, he, he disappeared into the ether. Basically he put up, he has, he still had good, still a good years in Seattle. But it's in Seattle. They weren't winning a lot of games. Media attention went down. So he disappeared into the ether. And Pujols, that kind of happened with Pujols, where people forget how great Albert Pujols was. But some of that is because he played on the Angels. And they went on national television. And they weren't making the playoffs. So, yeah. Um, But I'm going to get to the Lakers and Anthony Davis next. Okay. So let's transition to the NBA, the association. The Los Angeles Lakers, um, <laughs> boy, oh boy, they took a serious beatdown versus the Clippers. And mind you guys, I uh this this is being recorded on Friday. So I don't know, I don't know the exact outcome of the Blazers game. But the Clippers completely annihilated the Lakers, um, 118 94. 
obviously LeBron did not play. Dennis Schroeder did not play. Um, excuse me. Dennis Schroeder did not play. Uh, Horton Tucker did not play. And then early in the game, Anthony Davis got hurt again. Now in the game, he took like a step back three, something of that ilk. He took like a step back three. He was backpedaling, backpedaling, and he like he twisted his ankle on the scores table or something like that. He twisted his ankle on the scores table, left the game, did not return. And the reason why he the reason he didn't return was because of back spasms. So it wasn't even because of the ankle injury. And as boy, oh boy, as much as I like Anthony Davis, I really do. I love I love Anthony Davis's game. I love it. I think he's one of like Anthony Davis. I, I've talked about it. He is such an amazing talent. And I don't think I need to say this, but I really like AD. And he seems like a really cool guy. But the Lake, but but Anthony Davis. He's a game of operations. I've always I've always said that. I've always said he's a game of operations. And this is what this is what comes with Anthony Davis. If you want like he's a great talent. Um now this year as I've as I explained on the previous episode, <laughs> this year he has not been great. He's actually been very very disappointing and he has career lows across the board. But I, I, but when, when focused, when in basketball shape, when healthy, Anthony Davis is as talented as he's as talented as a player as anyone in basketball, offensively and defensively. He's as talented as anyone in basketball when healthy, when fully committed, when fully focused, when in the proper shape. But AD, you can't rely, like, bro, you cannot rely, like, Anthony Davis cannot be relied on. He can't. He can't be relied on. First, on the court, he's, like, offensively in his skill set and his talent says he's a number one option, but he's not the guy. He's not the guy, okay? He's not the guy. His talent says he's the guy. Like you look at him play, you look at his talent, he's it's it says he's the guy, but he's not the guy that's gonna just take you there. Now, I do think he's very important. I do think he's very valuable. And I don't, but like I said, I don't think he's the first opt, like he's not that dude yet. And this was supposed to be the year where he was supposed to become that dude, right? Like, like as I explained in the previous episode. By the way, if you haven't go, if you haven't listened to that episode, I advise you to go check it out. But this was the year that Anthony Davis was supposed to take that next step. He was supposed to take that next leap into superstardom, and he's so important for the Lakers and so valuable for the Lakers. Like, look, like even LeBron knows how valuable Anthony Davis is. That's why he went in traded for him. That's what that that's why he went and traded for Anthony Davis because he knows how valuable like LeBron can't win without AD. Like today, right now, LeBron 
LeBron needs Anthony Davis to win, and that's okay. But he does. He does. But you cannot rely on Anthony Davis. You just can't. Or, well, well, I get this. You can rely on Anthony Davis getting hurt a couple times. Because throughout the course of his career, he he hasn't had any, like, big-time significant injuries, like a torn Achilles or something like that. But it's just the – it's just – these little nick and knack injuries um and back spasms this has been something throughout his career where he's he's missed he's actually missed 15 games due to back issues so this is not a new issue for him but i i just like ad so much i just wish the dude could stay healthy but boy oh my god some I, I mean a couple people I know they they call them Charmin soft like the the the, the tissue Charmin soft he's Charmin soft he's Mr. Glass like he's just he's just he's just and, and the funny thing about it is with bigs when bigs get hurt when bigs sustain injuries they don't get any healthier you know what they do they get injured more <laughs> They get injured more. When bees get hurt, they get injured more. So, like, like for instance, the great I, – I, I, don't, I don't know if my younger audience are aware or who this person is, but Sam Bowie. Sam Bowie, a big man. 7-1, number two overall draft pick in the 1984 draft. He went to Kentucky – just like Anthony Davis, went right to Kentucky, just like Anthony Davis. And in that draft, as you guys may know, uh, Elijah Wan, Hakeem Elijah Wan went number one. Sam Bowie went number two. Michael Jordan went number three. Sam Perkins went number four. Charles Barkley went number five. That was the top five, right? And, you know, <laughs> turns out all of those guys had pretty decent careers. I mean, uh, Sam Perkins, okay. Um, but obviously Jordan, Elijah Wan, and uh, and, and um, Barkley, Hall of Famers. Well, Sam Bowie had that same type of potential. That was the reason why he was draft. It was a reason why he was drafted number two overall because he had that same type of potential. But Sam Bowie could never stay healthy. Sam Bowie had injuries at Kentucky, came back, still played well, but you know ended up as number two pick. He got drafted. He got drafted to the Blazers. The Blazers took him over Michael Jordan. Um, he was so that was that 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 and Sam Bowie. He played. I mean, luckily he played ten seasons. He played ten career seasons, but Sam Bowie never lived up to his potential because of his injuries. Now, obviously, Anthony Davis has accomplished more than 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 Sam Bowie, um, and he's better than Sam Bowie. But Anthony Davis still. Like, it's so much, there's so much potential there where, like, it may not even be reached because of his injuries. And I, 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 you just can't, you just can't rely on him. You just can't rely on Anthony Davis and he gets hurt again. He gets hurt again. And the Lakers keep dropping. They're three and seven in their last 10 games. They're in danger of being in the play-in. By the time you guys have probably heard this, they have they they may have dropped another spot because it, it you know, boy oh boy the losses keep racking up. 
But then I want to get to LeBron because I feel like LeBron, 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 he's boy, boy. He's been he's been the news a lot. So the comments, it was two comments that LeBron had made. Let me. I'm. A, I'm. I'm gonna address the first. The first one was. I'm. A, I'm gonna do this. The first. The first comment that LeBron made was. He. He, he criticized the play-in, the NBA play-in. He criticized it, and he said whoever need whoever made that up needs to be fired and so forth, and it was a stupid idea and all that good stuff. Now, this was the same LeBron James that said the play-in tournament last year was a good idea. That's what he said. Last year, he said, this is the same LeBron James that said, hey, the playing tournament, <laughs> great idea. This year, nah. Whoever made that, whoever made that shit up need to, need to be fired. That's what LeBron said. <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes LeBron, I feel like he doesn't fully think through the, th- like LeBron, when LeBron makes comments, I don't think he fully thinks thinks through what he's actually saying at times, and, and and plus on top of that, the power and the influence that his words carry, um, the platform. I don't think I think sometimes he belittles and he doesn't fully recognizes at times with certain comments how that can be translated and interpreted. And with this tip, and with this particular situation, with him saying, "Hey, the play-in is a bad idea," even though he was on record saying last year it's a good idea, it makes it seem like, well, first there's some inconsistencies there, obviously, but then you can't, you can't, you can't take LeBron and what he says at face value because, like. I mean, in certain topics, and this is, and it, it proves my point because when LeBron says certain, when he says certain stuff, he often has to walk back certain things. I just talked about this with his tweets. His tweets were inaccurate; they were incorrect, and he had to walk back some of that stuff. Never fully apologize, but that's neither here or there. The same thing with this with this particular situation where he he's on record saying last year it's a good idea now this year is a bad idea why is that oh because the lakers are in a tough predicament and the lakers may be in the play-in so that's why he's saying it's a bad idea now come on like that's like that's not that's not hard to put two and two together lebron is saying the play-in tournament is a bad idea because the lakers are in jeopardy of being in the play-in and that makes the obstacle that makes the road and the path for the Lakers even more difficult. So that's why. Le- so if people were wondering why LeBron said that, that's why LeBron said that because it because because now he re- he's realizing and he's thinking like, whoa, you know, the Lake we're in jeopardy of playing the plan. That's what he's thinking. That's his thought process. That is his thought process right there. That's his thought process. He's thinking. He's thinking. Hey, the play-in tournament's a bad idea. Now that the Lakers are in jeopardy of being in the play-in, and now, and that, and of course that that's added pressure. And speaking about pressure, the second comment that LeBron made, 
um, and concerns about his ankle. LeBron said, "Hey, this ankle injury, I may not ever, I may not never be a hundred percent." First things first, and I know people are not gonna. I know the LeBron stands, the LeBron stands, the LeBron fanboys are not gonna want to hear this. But LeBron, just in, I get it. A high ankle sprain. I I broke it down for you guys. I said a high ankle sprain is a very difficult and complicated injury to come back from. So I get it. But for for LeBron to say, "Hey, y'all, I'm never gonna be a hundred And obviously, he didn't say it like this. I'm paraphrasing. But he was like, "Hey, I'm never gonna be a hundred percent after this ankle injury." And I and I hate to break it to you guys, but Michael Jeffrey Jordan would never. Michael Jeffrey Jordan would never say such a thing. Kobe Bryant wouldn't say such a thing. But Michael Jeffrey Jordan would not say that at all. He would he would put his head down, he would get back, and he would and he would try to kill anything in front of him. Literally. Well, no, no. Figuratively. <laughs> Michael Jordan would never say that. So and I and so I know LeBron. I know LeBron fans and LeBron stands and LeBron fanboys are not gonna like that, but hey, it's the truth. But with him, but with LeBron saying that, you know what that's doing? That is creating a placeholder and an excuse on a reasoning so like if the lakers lose in the playoffs or if they lose in the play-in if the lakers lose earlier than expected you know you know what lebron can bounce back off of you know what you know what lebron fanboys are going to say well he did say he wasn't 100 percent that that's the placeholder that's going to be the reasoning that's going to be the excuse if lebron loses that's going to be the excuse. And and get this. If he wins, if he ends up getting it done and the Lakers accomplish what they want to accomplish, you know what people going to say? Man, LeBron wasn't even 100% and he still did it. He still got it done. He still got it done. So people are going to create this sort of double standard, so to speak. And if LeBron wins, the Lakers win. People are like, oh, yeah, LeBron, man, oh, man, he did it once again. He wasn't even 100%, and he still got it done. That's just another That's just another point in, in LeBron's call. You know, hey, LeBron, he's just adding to the legacy. Or if he loses, as I already mentioned, if LeBron loses, you know what he can say? You know what he can bounce back off of? Man, I, you know, I, I, ankle injury, I'm not, I'm not 100%. That's the out. That's the out that LeBron has created because now coming into the year, remember, coming into the year, the odds on favorites to win the NBA championship were the Lakers. Even after the James Harden trade, many people were very skeptical of the Nets. The Lakers were still the favorites. So when healthy, a lot of people still tend to think that the Lakers are the favorites. So when that pressure is a mount when that pressure is mounting and if the Lakers were to fall short 
if they were to have a disappointing loss, you know what people could say? You know what LeBron could say? You know what LeBron fanboys could say? He did say he wasn't he wasn't going to be 100%. So that's the out that LeBron has created with these type of comments. And, and, I, I, and I just know Michael Jordan would never do that. Kobe Bryant would never do that. That's all. And it's no, and, and people, people don't think it's, a, it's not a shot at LeBron, but it's just to me. But this is what he does. Like, it's a track record. This is what LeBron does. And I like, I, I'm not, I'm not here to bash LeBron. I'm just telling you guys the truth. I'm telling you guys the truth, man. I, I am. It's not, it's not to bash LeBron or get at LeBron. No. But it's just the mere fact that. This is what he does. <laughs> this is what he does. When pressure is mounting, when, when pressure when pressure is mounting, this is what he does. And I mean, this is why I can't with certain things I can't take what LeBron say at face value. This is why because he often has to revert back to points and or or even walk back things that he have said because they just. They don't because they don't coincide what he previously said. So, like for instance, like I said, the play-in tournament last year, he was fully on board. That's because the Lakers were number one seed, and they not have to worry about the play-in. This year, nah, he's it's a bad idea to him because the Lakers are in jeopardy of being in the play-in. That's all. Um, I got some. Um, I got a really interesting segment right here coming up next. Uh, I'm gonna talk about it. NFL related. Uh, I'm gonna give you guys a sneak peek to my predictions. Okay, so this should be this should be fun, and I enjoy doing this. I know a lot of you guys want to hear my take on or my predictions on certain teams and so forth. A lot of people been asking me to do some early predictions, which I am going to do. I'm not going to do it right here, right now, but after the schedules are released on May the 12th, I believe. Uh, I am going to conduct my predictions. I am going to do my predictions uh, for the NFL. It's going to be early, so if you're if you're a regular listener, if you can if you've been listening to me for like a year now, I do a early predictions where it's after free agency, after the draft, right after the draft, and I do my predictions, and then right before the season, I do another round of predictions just in case because of injuries or so forth and all that good stuff. And especially now, we don't know what's going to happen. So after the draft, after free, or after free agency, after the draft, some odd, odds makers came out with their over and under win totals for every NFL team in division in the playoff format. Now, this is I'm, – I'm doing – so I have – can we pull up Fox Bet? Or or give me whatever odds makers pop up first. I think it's Fox Bet that pops up though. Yeah, get I'm getting that on my screen. Give me. Okay, we got it on my screen. Okay. So Fox Bet odds makers. I have each division in front of me. And I, I find this kind of interesting. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you guys whether it's over or under for each division or, or for each team. How I feel about it. I'm I'm gonna try not to give away all of my predictions, 
some of them might be obvious, but I'm not. I'm gonna try to. I'm not. I'm gonna try not to give away all of my predictions because I do want to see the schedule come out first, and then I do that. But okay, let's start with the AFC East. So with the AFC East, these are the projected win totals: Buffalo at ten and a half, New England at nine and a half, Miami at eight and a half, New York at six and a half. Now, and and by the way, if you guys don't know what over and under is, so a Vegas odds maker, you know. They give you a number. Say it's, for instance, they give you a number for the amount of wins that Kansas City is going to have. They say 12 and a half. You can either bet over that they get more than 12 and a half wins, or you can bet under that they get, you know, under 12 and a half wins. Um, so that's that's what I mean. So if you don't know that terminology, there you go. So as I mentioned, Buffalo at 10 and a half wins. I feel like that's a safe bet. I would probably bet the over especially being that it's 17 regular season games too. I think that's another thing that you got to that that you got to think about now. Um New England at nine and a half wins, that seems pretty okay. Um that seems like a fair bet to me. I would probably just stay right there. I wouldn't go over or under. Um maybe I go over. Yeah, cuz could they get 10 wins? Could they go 10 and 7? That's yeah, that's that's possible. That's plausible. So yeah, I would go uh, all the go to over. Miami, eight and a half. I like it. Um, I would probably go a bit over. And then the Jets, I may decide to go under. I have to see how their schedule looks. But I have no problems with the AFC East. Uh, they got Buffalo as the winner of the AFC East. Um, in the AFC North, uh, over and under projected win totals, Baltimore at 11 and a half. Baltimore at 11 and a half. Cleveland at nine and a half. Pittsburgh at eight and a half. Cincinnati at six and a half. Now, as you guys know, I was very impressed by Cleveland's offseason, free agency, and the draft. I was very impressed, and they cleaned up their holes and the weaknesses of their roster really well. You know, that's the thought. You know, we got to see if it actually translates, but that's the thought process, that they have cleaned up their weaknesses and they have done so well to a point where their weaknesses have turned into somewhat strengths and they have a lot of depth. So Cleveland at nine and a half is definitely an over for me. I still want to see the schedule because uh, scheduling could play a role in how I pick these teams and order them as far as in division. But Cleveland for me at nine and a half is definitely an over bet that I'm willing to take. Baltimore, I probably wouldn't go over. Uh, Pittsburgh, eight and a half, that seems about right. Cincinnati at six and a half, that seems about right. Cleveland, I would not be afraid to make Cleveland the winner of the AFC North. I would not be. I would not be mad. Um, I like I said, I want to see the schedule and how games are lined up. So. I, I'm going to hold off for that. But that AFC North, I, I agree with for the most part. AFC South, um, Indianapolis at nine and a half wins. That seems solid. They they have the best overall roster in the division. Uh, the quarterback play with Carson Wentz, we still got to see how that works out. I think it will work. So over, I think over nine wins for Indianapolis is definitely a good bet. Tennessee at nine and a half. As you guys know, I'm not as high on Tennessee um, I'm not as high on Tennessee. I'm just not. So nine and a half may be a bit too much, or it may be okay. But Jacksonville at six and a half, 
I would bet I would certainly bet the over. Um I, I think Jacksonville and Tennessee are very close. Uh, I'm not gonna lie to you guys. Jacksonville, they have been they have improved. It wouldn't surprise me if if Jacksonville and Tennessee are close, are closer than what people think and what Vegas thinks. Houston at four and a half, that's okay. Um Houston is it's Houston. Uh <laughs> AFC West, Kansas City at 12 and a half wins. I like it. Uh, the Chargers at nine and a half wins. Once again, the Browns and the Chargers both at nine and a half wins. I'm very high on both teams. I would probably bet the over for the Chargers at nine and a half. Denver at eight and a half. That seems pretty solid. We got to see what you know. Maybe they make a trade for Aaron Rodgers. We don't know. Uh, and Vegas finishing last um, at seven and a half wins. I'm not mad at that either. Uh, Kansas City should win a division. But the Chargers will be really competitive, and I think will be a playoff team. Um, okay, so this just so we're gonna shift to the NFC. The NFC in the NFC East, they got Dallas at nine and a half wins, Washington at eight and a half, New York at seven and a half, Philly at six and a half. Dallas, I'm not mad. Um, I would probably go a little bit over. Could they go ten and seven? That's possible. That's plausible. Um. Washington eight and a half, that's that's solid. New York seven and a half. I like the order of the of the teams. I agree. Dallas, Washington. I think Dallas offensively has the best offense in the division with the best quarterback in the division. Their coach is not as good as Washington's, but Washington has a good defense, solid, good defense, great defense, solid coach, good coach. The quarterback play that's what worries me, so that's why I give a little notch and edge to Dallas, uh, New York, seven and a half. That doesn't seem bad. Philadelphia, I think they're going to be the worst team in the division. Um, NFC North, Green Bay at ten and a half wins. Now, obviously, this is kind of questionable. Like, I think there's a, I think there's a hold on this because obviously the Aaron Rodgers rumors and the trade rumors that could that could very well. Be that that ten and a half wins could really go down. So you know um, that's that's on hold. Uh, Minnesota eight and a half. That wouldn't be surprising. Chicago at seven and a half. Okay, and then Detroit at five and a half. Okay, I'm not not too much there in the NFC North, but I, I agree. Chicago may be a bit higher. Maybe I go over in Chicago, depending on what like what, when Justin Fields enter into being a starter, or he may start week one. I don't know. Uh, NFC South. So Tampa Bay at 11 and a half wins, New Orleans at nine and a half, Atlanta at seven and a half, Carolina at seven and a half. Now, this division is really interesting. I think Tampa Bay wins the division, obviously, but I'm not sure if Carolina isn't better than Atlanta and New Orleans. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Maybe they are. I'm not maybe maybe they are. That's why I'm that's why I'm bringing it up. But Carolina, I think that the, those three teams in the NFC South, not Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay's heads and shoulders above better than everybody. But New Orleans, Atlanta, Carolina, that would be a very that's going to be a very intriguing race to see who finishes second. Um, and then the NFC West, in my opinion, the best division in football. You have Los Angeles at ten and a half wins, San Francisco at ten and a half wins, Seattle at nine and a half wins, Arizona at eight and a half wins. These all four of these could be overs. Um, I think with the San Francisco, you're kind of betting 
on Garoppolo's health. Uh, you know, Trey Lance is there, obviously, but you're betting on Garoppolo's health. Seattle, I think, could get nine, get over nine wins. Uh, so I, I'm not mad with that. So here goes the AFC playoff picture. Kansas City be the, the Kansas City would be the one seed. Baltimore would be the two seed. Buffalo would be the three seed. Indianapolis would be the four seed. Cleveland would be the five. Tennessee would be the six. The Chargers would be the seven. So, like I said, I'm not as high on Tennessee. Um, and I always tell you guys this. There's teams, there's a, there's a few teams that always make the playoffs, but then the following year, there's a couple teams that don't make it. So there's teams that's going to make the playoffs this year that did not make it, and there's going to be there's going to be teams that made the playoffs last year that's not going to make it. I think one of those teams, possibly one of those teams, could be Tennessee. They made it. They made it to the playoffs last year. I don't know if they get back this year. I, they have a lot of question marks on defense. Um, I think the Chargers. I think the Chargers are a little bit better at this at this point. I think the Chargers are better than Tennessee. I mean, so the only thing with the Chargers is we don't know if Brian Stanley is a, is a real coach. We don't know yet. We don't know if he can really coach yet. But I'm not too mad with this AFC picture. Uh, I would, I would probably replace Tennessee with New England. I that's just me personally. I would replace Tennessee with New England. So yeah, not too much to argue about with the AFC playoff picture. Um, according to Fox Bet, I'm not not mad at it. And then the NFC, they got Tampa Bay as the one seed, Green Bay as the two seed, LA the the Rams as the three seed, Dallas at the four seed. Then you got San Francisco at five, Seattle at six, New Orleans at seven. And once again, um, Green Bay that could that's still really up in the air as far as like you know ten and a half wins. You know they. You, I don't think many people would bet the over if Aaron Rodgers isn't there at 10 and a half wins. Um, so nobody would bet that. Um, I'm not too, not too, not too mad with this, with the top, with the playoff teams in the NFC playoff picture, according to Fox, but I'm not too mad with those teams, Tampa Bay, Green Bay, LA, Dallas, San Francisco, Seattle, New Orleans. I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that. Obviously, like I said, obviously Green Bay is still a question mark, but Tampa being the best, I have no problem. The Rams, Dallas, San Francisco, Seattle, and New Orleans. Like I said, New Orleans, that's going to be that, 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 whoever finishes second in the NFC South, that's going to be a really tight race. So that kind of, I hope that kind of gives you guys some perspective of where my predictions are going. Um, I don't completely agree with the, with the, with Fox bets over, with Fox bet. Over and under, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't completely agree with it, but there's some things that I think we have that I have in common or having similar, you know, have similar takes on. Uh, I just think certain teams may regress. Like I think, I think Tennessee is going to regress. Um, I think New England is going to move into the playoffs, back back into the playoffs. I do, I really do. So. But without further ado, uh, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna wrap this bad boy up for you guys. Uh, my NBA playoff predictions. I'm gonna have those very soon. I'm gonna bring some people on the pod. We're gonna talk about it. We're gonna discuss it. I got some NBA scouts, NBA 
um, experts that's going to come on, and we're going to talk about and fully break down the NBA playoffs next week. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Um, always remember two choices, one decision. Stay healthy, stay wealthy. Uh, it's Mother's Day weekend, so be very appreciative to the mothers, all the mothers out there. Shout out to you guys, to all the mothers. Um, and have a happy Mother Day, Mother's Day weekend. Enjoy the weekend. I'll be back on Wednesday. Peace, deuces, out.